Hey guys, welcome back to the Survival Show. I'm producer Ben, of course. Thank you for tuning in to today's Manly Musings with Craig Cottle. Before we get into today's show, I want to personally thank our supporters over on Patreon and over on our new Anchor website. You guys are the grease in our wheels, so we thank you so, so much. We couldn't do this without you. All right, guys and gals, let's get into it right now. Hey everybody, this is Craig Cottle, Director of Nature Alliance School and co-host of the Survival Show Podcast, coming to you today for my weekly foray into Manly Musings. Thank you for joining me. Going to be digging into my favorite topic when it comes to outdoors, wilderness, travel, and that is tracking. Tracking is one of the most overlooked skill sets when it comes to the current survival and bushcraft community. I'll dig into why I think that is true in just a few moments. Uh, There's some obvious reasons, I think, why that is the case, Uh, and I think that's wrong. I think we need to make sure that we have tracking as a skill set. Even if it's a moderate skill set, we need to develop the ability to track and be clue aware. One of the things that comes up when when we discuss tracking is people develop a picture in their head of what a tracker looks like. And what I mean by that is, more often than not, the Hollywood version of a tracker is someone who, uh, you know, probably has animal skills on. They've got a big old knife. Uh, they they don't sleep where everybody else sleeps. They might just sleep out on the ground somewhere, and they have some sort of otherworldly skill that nobody else can obtain because they're a little bit weird. Okay. There's only one thing about that description that I think, well, maybe two things that I think is accurate, and that is most trackers are just a little bit weird. (laughs) I will admit that. And uh, trackers tend to be very in tune with and connected with their environment, meaning they may just lay down on the ground and go to sleep somewhere. And they may have animal skins because they're very intimate with the animals that they've killed. And so they keep the skins and study them and what have you. Okay. But that's where it ends. Because the skill of tracking is not some otherworldly artistic endeavor that only a few people can be born to be able to do. Tracking without a doubt is a science that anyone that wants to put the time, energy, and effort into it can learn how to track. I will say, though, to be able to track well takes a lot of time to be able to do that because one of the things that comes up in tracking more than anything else is recognizing that you just don't have the answer to what you think is in front of you. You know, I had one good instructor say that the only way to know exactly what animal made a track is to watch that animal make that track. And I would agree with that 100%. Because that is absolutely uh, dead on. The other day I found a set of tracks that I knew were, I shouldn't say it that way, I felt confident they were one animal and they just weren't because I found the track line of the animal and found where this animal had come from and where it was going to and discovered that Although this animal always shows a certain amount of toes and toenails and a certain heel pad, it did not do that at all in this particular instance. And so it's, it's worthy of our effort to recognize and learn how to humble ourselves and recognize that we don't know everything and just try to develop a, a basis of understanding of what we're looking at. So 
my background in tracking has been from from when I was a kid. You know, I've tracked, uh, trapped, hunted my entire life. And it was only in the last 10 to 15 years that I started formulating a process to that study so I could help share it with others. And without a doubt, I rest on the backs of many great trackers that came before me, including including my dad and my uncles who taught me a lot about tracking, uh, my, my learning how to trap. Uh, my dad basically built me, helped me build some box traps when I was a kid, and I would uh, check them going to and from the bus stop every morning. And he didn't really help me learn how to catch animals. He just allowed me to, to uh, the, he, he allowed me ample amount of time to figure it out on my own. And so that was incredibly beneficial. And so tracking is a vital aspect of trapping, which is an, one of the reasons I want to get into tracking as it relates to survival, because it's, it's a necessary function of proper survival training, in my opinion. So what I want to do is start to break down this science of tracking. And it, this is going to be a real fundamental look because this is, again, something that comes over a lifetime of study and some great teachers. Again, uh, I've got two great mentors right now, Mike Hull from Hull's Tracking Services down in Virginia, Cornelius Nash. Uh, Mike is a lifetime uh, law enforcement lifetime seems like a lifetime as many years as he's been teaching and investing into the science of tracking with law enforcement Cornelius is a um, a tracker who is primarily top military border patrol uh, and you know Marine Corps Army Special Forces and any number of different groups but but uh, both of these guys have been incredible in helping me learn the skill of tracking it just invested a lot of time and energy into me, giving me resources to help me track, answer my text and calls and stuff of that nature. So I'm indebted to those guys as well as several others that I've trained with over the years. You know, I went through a class at uh, with Joe Kellum, TTOS, many, many years ago. He taught a search and rescue track. Uh, he, he was not teaching that as a TTOS instructor. I've also trained with John Hurth from Tier Group. Uh, I've also trained, and these are two fine gentlemen too, Richard Cleveland, Tom Laskowski. Both of these guys are, um, you know, more or animal-oriented trackers than anything else. Really good guys. Uh, I've also been given some resources that belong to Charles Worsham's classes. Uh, Doug Myers given me a tremendous amount of resources on tracking from various instructors. So just I'm, I'm just indebted to the people that have come before me and invested so much time and energy into that. So what I want to do is share just what fits into a small segment here on our podcast. And uh, what I want to do is share with you how you can develop your skill set, some things that you need to be paying attention to. And then I want to go into detail on how we're going to utilize these things for survival. And so we'll, we'll take it like that. So the first thing we need to dig into is exactly what are tracks? What is sign? Sign is just any sort of clue or disturbance that's out there. You know, typically we look at tracking from the uh, fundamental building blocks of baseline versus disturbance. Baseline is how an environment looks in its natural state. And disturbance is anything, obviously, that dis is a disturbance to that, anything that changes that. And so at its foundation that's what tracking is understanding that now when we do that for a, a fundamental building block look at this topic i like to break those 
sign and those clues, those tracks down into three different sorts of sign. I call it ground sign, aerial sign, and intangible sign. So various instructors communicate these things. Sometimes they'll expand that out in several different categories. But for our purposes here today, I'm going to break them down and look at ground sign, aerial sign, and intangible sign. Ground sign is anything that appears as a disturbance that is below the ankle from any sort of animal, whether it's a deer or a coon or a human. And so anything that is basically on the ground, obviously, by its name, ground sign. So this is going to include things like broken vegetation. It's going to include bruised vegetation. Bruised vegetation is something that gets is questionable to a lot of people because it's hard to understand. But imagine that you've got a blade of grass that is sitting on top of a rock, and then you step onto that. Where that grass makes contact with that rock, that piece of grass is going to be bruised. So you'll say, well, I would never see that. And, you know, a trained eye even will have a tough time seeing that. But it's one of those things that you will utilize at different times. And, and sometimes it'll stand out more and larger than most. Transfer is another type of ground sign. Transfer is where you take a, some medium and you go into a different environment and you take some of the medium from the previous environment with you. Just, for example, you go from a field and you walk out into a forested area and you carry some fescue seed that's into your boot strings and it you carry it up into the woods about 10 feet. Those fescue seeds might not be there normally. And so you carry them up there. Maybe an e even better understanding is something uh, like water splashes. You step into a creek and water splashes in the direction of your travel. And so those things are transfer. That's where something from one environment goes into uh, right next to or carries up farther into another environment. One way I've trained with my call down in Virginia, they've got a lot of red clay down there. And one thing that comes out and tracking down there often is that people walk through an area where there's red clay and leave a track. Okay, so you get a lot of sign there. But if you're trying to determine that direction of travel, you might, out in the middle of the woods or out in the middle of a field, find a piece of that red clay that come off of somebody's lug. That's transfer. Uh, impressions are exactly what you think they are. That's the impression of a boot or a lug or a deer track or raccoon track, even a snake that's on the ground. That's where something has pushed the earth down and has made an impression upon it. Displacement is another type of ground sign that we see often here in uh, mixed hardwood forests. And that's where somebody's walking through a forested area and they kick a stick and uh, they kick a rock or something by accident and that gets moved. And where that rock was, for example, is there's there's a void there and you'll probably see something that looks like a void or at least for a few days you will and then uh, the rock is in a different place and it's sitting on top of the leaf litter instead of down under it and stuff of that nature that's that is displacement another type uh, the second type that i wanted to get into is aerial sign aerial sign is anything that happens above the ankle and so what we're looking at here is something like a broken branch you might have leaves that are overturned on a branch um Skin bark, if somebody rubs up or leans up against, you know, think of a bear, the way they scratch their backs on trees or the way they claw trees and climb them, they'll leave skin bark. Cobwebs can be very deceptive, really, because spiders can build webs much faster than we think they can. But if if you know that a cobweb, you can see that a cobweb has been broken, that something's broken it recently, more often than not recently. 
And if you're walking through an area and there are cobwebs there, then you know nothing for the most part has walked through that area and uh, nothing's walked through that area and broken those cobwebs. So you can assume that the, the quarry that you're after has gone somewhere else. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Another one that I use all the time, and I don't hear people talking about this often, is moisture on the leaves. And so that's one of the reasons I really like tracking early in the morning because if particularly if I'm tracking a deer or something of that nature, if there's moisture on the leaves from the dew or rain or something of that nature, then when an animal walks through, it knocks all that dew and rain off. And so you can basically take that as your sign and go through the woods and track looking at nothing but the leaves that water is missing on. And so, again, that's the disturbance. The baseline is all the leaves have water on them. The disturbance is leaves that don't have water on them. Uh, another one is vegetation what we like to refer to as pointers so if you have some sort of grass that's really tall then what you have is um when that grass when you walk through that grass and it gets caught up on your pants or your boots or what have you it's going to get intermingled and be right in front of your leg as you walk through it same thing with most animals too you'll see something similar not exactly like you do with humans but but what you will see is that grass gets connected, and it's what we refer to as pointers. It's almost like a big arrow point where somebody has walked, where that stuff gets caught together. Now, intangible sign, it takes in a lot of different things. And again, this is probably my catch-all category, so that I don't have to go into great detail about the different signs, because this is not a tracking class as much as it is. I just want to point out some ways that you can utilize these things to help you in survival and bushcrafting, for sure. Intangible sign is things like excrement, urine. You may be able to see scat. Any good wildlife tracker is going to spend a great deal of time looking at animal scat. Uh, looking at animal scat allows you to see what that animal is eating. If you know, let's say, for example, that, that uh, for example, the, one of the ways that I was catching raccoons two years, two years ago and re- relocating them is that I found a bunch of raccoons in a barn, but in their excrement, I found persimmon seeds. And so what I did was I went to where the persimmon trees are and discovered that the raccoons like to spend a lot of time there getting persimmons, particularly that time of year. So I set some traps up there and caught raccoons there at the persimmon trees. Uh, That's just one example. You can probably think of a dozen others. But garbage is another one. 
people discard stuff, and this is very important when it comes to search and rescue trackers, that person that's carrying that Gatorade bottle, I have no idea why, but a lot of people that have poor woodsman or wilderness ethics will just toss that into the woods. That's an indicator of a passage. Uh, another one is, and this is more intangible than anything that I've talked about so far, but animal sounds. So you'll see in the woods if somebody goes through an area that squirrels may start barking, birds will alarm, deer might snort. Uh, these are the animal signs that that they give up to warn others like them, hey, something's going on here, somebody's coming through, and this is different. And so that is sign. So if you're tracking somebody and you hear off in the distance a bunch of deer snorting and taking off of the woods, that could be your quarry if it's, you know, something that would alarm deer. So with that said, um, what I want to do is is I'll finish up part one here talking about why we see a track. And then in part two, I want to talk about the specifics of how to utilize tracking for your survival methodology. So when it comes to seeing a track, there are um, several different ways. And this goes back to what I'd mentioned earlier, which is if you have someone who has an artistic mindset, for example, my wife is an artist in many respects. She's, she doesn't do much of this anymore, but she used to paint quite a bit. She sketches. Uh, she still draws quite a bit of plants because we do so much stuff outdoors now. But uh, she has a, I mean, she's one of these people that can go into a yard and she'll find a four leaf clover. I mean, I could put her, I think I could put her in the middle of a, uh, football stadium with AstroTurf, and I, I really believe this this girl could find a four-leaf clover. Uh, it's just she has that sort of eye. It is an artistic eye, and she sees things that I just don't see. So, yeah, there were some things that came to her very natural that I have tried to develop through the science of tracking. But one of the things that I noticed, and this kind of blew my mind when I first saw this, was that I, I had been tracking most of my life, and I just didn't put words on things because I never had the intention of teaching it to other people. You know, I'd spent, you know, since I was a kid, I'd been tracking and I knew what things I need to look for, for deer and rabbits and squirrel and, you know, and, and all the, I knew their gait patterns. I knew what their footfall looked like and, and all that sort of thing. But I never tried to formulate a plan to develop it and teach it to other people because I just didn't think that I would ever be in that position other than my own child. So with that said... Um, one of the things that came out of the formulation of putting together information for tracking to share it with others is, and, and I don't know who the originator of this is, but there's several different ways that you look at a track that help you see it. And this is the part that blew my mind is that I, I had been to three different instructors at this point when this happened, but I'd, some of the ones that were mentioned before, and they all talked about outline and value and shape and texture and color and rhythm in a in a track and all these different things and I'll, I'll break those down in just a second but one day I went to teach an after school program this is when I was teaching martial arts and I was teaching a martial arts program and we just happened to have this class we got kicked out of our normal place of teaching the class and I was in an art classroom in an elementary school and while I was in there the instructor had this really nice uh, banner up that was obviously purchased from some sort of school supply shop that talked about the things that make art art and these are things that you should look for in art and guess what they were outline value shape texture color and rhythm 
it was the exact same thing. It was the way she was teaching her students to see art, and evidently this is a common practice in, t- in teaching art, is exactly the same things that my tracking instructors had pointed out to me were the ways that you see tracks. And so outline, obviously, is the outline of the particular track that you're looking at. If it's a human, you know the, the telltale signs of what a human footfall looks like. You've looked at them. You've seen them. Whether you've been a track or not, you know what that looks like. Value is basically the visible lightness and darkness of a color. So the way uh, I've had several different instructors teach me this way, and I think it was Corn that talked about vacuuming, vacuuming your house. If you vacuum your house and you take the vacuum across the carpet, it's the same exact color carpet, but one swipe of it looks dark and one of it looks a little bit lighter. That's value. Same thing with mowing yards, if you will. You know, when you mow a yard and you cut that one swath across the yard, it's got a different value than uh, than the other part of the yard. Shape are the things that you see in the track that have particular shape. This this comes up greatly when we're talking about human tracks because animal tracks have certain shapes as well for sure, but things that have 90 degree angles, and, and I'm focusing again on the survival side of this, is going to be human. There's no animals out there that have sharp, hard, 90 degree angle portions to their tracks. You know, I, I should never... I should never, 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 always. Never say never and never say always. Um, so I shouldn't say that. But um, it would be rare for you to see a really sharp 90-degree angle in an animal track other than human. Texture is basically the way I say this is when the baseline is rough, a track will smooth it out. And when the baseline is smooth, the track will roughen it up. So if you think of, you know, grass, it has a certain texture to it and it's all standing up and when you step on it it smashes it down that kind of smooths it out same thing is true on a concrete Uh, concrete is a very hard surface and it's a very smooth surface for example and any sign that you might see is going to be something that disrupts it maybe small particles on top of the concrete that come off by a footfall but something's going to roughen it up and give you some idea that something's been there color is the color change, like I mentioned earlier, down in Virginia when I trained with Mike Hull, the red clay. You might see grass that extends up into brown leaf litter. You might see red clay that goes off into the woods. You might see any number of different color changes. And rhythm is where we start to see gait patterns. You know, the fume and footfall, left, right, left, right, left, right. And it doesn't always work that way with animals. There's direct register where animals bring their back foot and put it right on top of their front foot. Other animals don't do that. Some animals hop, others bound, others walk, some trot. And so there's all these different gait patterns that you need to get into to understand the rhythm. And you can actually look at the rhythm within one individual track too, recognizing where the initial point of entry for that footfall is. For humans, that's typically the heel. And then you have a foot roll and then you have a termination point. Uh, So basically what you're looking at is the rhythm of how the foot hits the ground and and moves forward. So before I finish part one here, what I wanted to do was dig into some of the fallacies that we see in Hollywood and basically break it down for you in a way that's understandable and usable for you. One of the big things that you'll see coming out of TVs and movies and people that really don't know what they're doing when they talk about this stuff is, is aging a piece of sign, whether that's a track in the ground or something similar. They'll say, oh, somebody came by here three hours ago. You know, there's one famous tracking instructor, 
and I'm not going to mention his name because I'm not going to be that mean-spirited, but he talks about, oh, there's a raccoon that came through here uh, at 12 o'clock last night, and and he had a full bladder and all this stuff. And, and that, you know, if he can do that, it's beyond my comprehension how he can do it. And I've spent a lifetime in the outdoors. I think the guy is a liar, quite frankly, to be honest with you. And uh, I just don't think that that's possible. Now, without a doubt, there are things that can help us age a track and tell us that that something that happened particularly at a, at a particular time. For example, if I was awake and I heard the raccoon in the garbage can at midnight, and then the next morning I saw raccoon tracks leading from the garbage can, I could probably say that around midnight last night, that raccoon, that track was made. Same thing is true with weather events. If I know, like right now in front of me as I'm looking out into the woods here, it's rain this morning. If I go out and I'm getting ready to record this podcast and then I'm going to go do some tracking myself. If I go out and find tracks that have raindrops in them, then I know that that animal came through before the rain stopped. If I see tracks with no raindrops uh, impregnated on top of the track itself, then that animal probably came through after the rain stopped. I know that the rain stopped this morning about 7 o'clock, and so that gives me a basic timeline on aging. You know, one instructor, uh, Rob Speeden is the one that told me this, but he, he uh, from from Virginia as well, but Rob said that you can age tracks as relatively new, relatively old, and heck if he knows, unknown. And so... Uh, that that's a pretty good way of breaking it down simplistically so that we can understand that, you know, it's probably less than 24 hours. It's more than 24 hours and heck if I know. And I really like that because it allows me to, to be okay with not knowing because another instructor of mine said that we can get uh, paralysis by analysis. We can get hung up on the details and we're not actually tracking. So if you're sitting there trying to figure out within the minute of when a track was made, then what you run into is you're just sitting there looking at one track and you're not getting anything done. So that's going to be part one for this tracking segment for uh, Manly Musings. When I come back on part two, what I want to do is I want to discuss with you how you can utilize tracking for your needs and survival. So with that said, thanks for joining me. And uh, we'll see you on part two.